1: Hey there, it's Gary Pash. It's Wednesday, January six, two 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. And at one point Tuesday night, as CNN was going to break, Wolf Blitzer said that we were watching, quote, a dramatic moment in American history. So he clearly had his main screen on FS1 where UConn came back from 18 down in the final 16 minutes to win at Marquette. Final score, UConn 65, Marquette 54. Dead leg. I've had the Huskies, your home state Huskies in the top 25 and one since Sunday morning. It made sense then, looks even smarter now. So if you can uh, spend the next couple minutes praising my big brain, then tell me what you think of UConn's five and one record.
0: Well, <laughs>
1: praise my big brain.
0: That was quite the uh, quite the event there. Now you know, listen, you had you had the foresight. What can I say? There, there should be no doubting you for the rest of the season. I mean, this is the streak continues, right? I mean, one after another, after another, and you're picking up W's every single day
1: winning. I'm winning every single day. My house is completely empty right now besides me. First time it's been that way. Wow. In-
0: wow. Well, I mean, that's, uh, I thought you were going to leave with leaky black going leaky black again, but I guess we're done with that. That's fine. Whatever. We're going to hear from the, from the commenters on that. And then you tell me this. I mean, if you want to just go nuts for 20 minutes, man, I we can, we can do that. Cause this is a special moment for you.
1: I actually notice the silence. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's so quiet in my home. My, my boys both my middle guy went back to school yesterday. My little guy, just his first day back to school was today. And when I got back home after taking him, it's so quiet. Like, I actually know it. It, it reminds me, there was this uh, few years ago in New York, you had a big blizzard that was predicted to be on the way. It wasn't as bad as they anticipated, but it, it was still, like, not ideal. And they shut down the streets in Manhattan. Like, you, you, you no driving allowed. I remember. And and I noticed the silence. Like, I remember going to sleep and thinking, this sounds so weird. Because it, you know what it's like. If you stay in the city, it is never quiet. Mm-hmm. It, there's just sirens. There's horns. There's something going on at all times. And it makes it where you actually notice you you get you can ignore the sounds if you're there enough. You you learn to ignore the sounds, and then the silence is what's weird. And my house is now like a mini version of Manhattan. I <laughs> notice I notice notice the silence in the house, and I'm really enjoying it. Like I I can't like w- at some point we're gonna shout out Chester, South Carolina, and then uh, I'm gonna tweet a link to this, and I'm 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 just gonna sit here and enjoy the silence.
0: Good deal, man. Shouts to UConn for getting this win five and one. Only loss right now for the Huskies is N.O.T., in a really tight one uh, against Creighton about two and a half weeks ago. So, uh, Tyler Pauly went out of his mind, um, and at one point he had outscored. I believe he had outscored. I think, I think the uh, the graphic that flared on the screen was uh, second half points, Tyler Pauly 23, Marquette 22. Um, a 65-54 UConn win gets them uh, in a good spot here. My apologies to the Marquette fans because... After you won at Creighton, you were five and two. I said you were going to the tournament. You're now six and six with the only win against Georgetown, and you got it on the road, but it was it was a hard-fought win. And there's a lot going on in that part of the country right now because the officer who shot Jacob Blake, um, he will not be going behind bars, and so that's obviously creating a lot of uproar in that part of the. In that part of the country, understandably so. And Marquette uh, decided to wear a black uniforms in his honor, and they start off playing very, very well. Obviously, an emotional night for that team, and then UConn totally flipped the game on its head. So, uh, so for the Golden Eagles, they went through uh, one hell of a Tuesday. There's no doubt about that, and and now they 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 they're turning around trying to figure out. Okay, Providence is Tuesday. They were supposed to play Villanova. That game is now off. Villanova, by the way, is on. A th- they had three games postponed because they had their second COVID positive and pause in as many weeks. And so for Marquette, things are getting kind of urgent. But credit to UConn because Dan Hurley has had... He, last season, they were they were okay. They weren't great. I don't think they are headed to the tournament. They were 19-12 when everything uh, got killed. Uh, but traditionally... Dan Hurley's second season at Wagner, back in the day, was 25 and six. After his first season was 13 and 17. His second season at Rhode Island, uh, six win, six game improvement in the win column. And in the third season, they won 23 games. We're seeing a similar pattern here with UConn so far five, five and one, uh, climbing up the rank, the polls, the rankings, the metrics, and all of that. And now uh, looking at an, another road game against Butler uh, on Saturday. And then they'll actually be on the road for two straight games because they're in play. They're scheduled to play at DePaul next Monday, so those are back-to-back road games. Will obviously stay there if they can win both those. Butler's not that good so far, and DePaul obviously isn't either. UConn could be seven and one, and hey, I mean, it it, it certainly looks like it can be in a spot to be in the in the three hole in the Big East if uh, it plays the way
1: it has. Yeah, they outscored UConn did uh, Marquette forty to eleven in the final 15-12 of that game, and Tyler Polly, like you said, he had twenty three points. And- Final fourteen thirty-seven. He entered the game averaging just four point eight points per game. He had gone scoreless in two of the previous four, and then he gets twenty-three in the final fifteen minutes at Marquette to spark that comeback. Um, you know, UConn, it's kind of wild how off the radar that program has been in recent years because It's one of the biggest brands in the sport. They've won three of the past 16 NCAA tournaments, but they haven't even made the NCAA tournament since 2016. They went to the American Athletic Conference for a bit. That took them, I think, off of the radar a little bit more than they otherwise would have been.
0: Won a national Uh, championship their first season in there, but I hear what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, but like there's a reason they were doing whatever they had. to. They were willing to sacrifice their football program to get back to uh, the Big East. So now they're there. They're getting these these, you know, they're getting more big opportunities. And so far, so good. Five and one wins over USC Marquette, like you said, loan loss in overtime uh, to Creighton. And Isaiah Whaley uh, was really good against Marquette. He had 15 points, 13 rebounds. And did you see what he did to get, quote, pumped up before the game?
0: Uh, No, I I admit I did not.
1: Okay, so as he explained it afterward, he usually, he said, listens to calm music uh, pregame. And, you know, that's his ritual. But he wanted to... It, switch it up a little bit so he went with take a guess what do you tri- trivia time oh, what did boy. isaiah Whaley listen to pre-game to get pumped up for uconn's uh, uh road contest against marquette
0: individual artist or a band a band prominence after 2000 or before before interesting okay um i'm gonna ask for two more hints and then i'll make my guess uh, in the rock genre or no? Sure, sure. Like, uh, literally, in, How
1: about in, in the rock and roll hall of fame? In the rock
0: and roll hall of fame, prominence before two thousand. Hmm. Is it so? If they're in a rock and roll hall of fame, it's guessable. Uh, from um, all right, last one from America or from England? America. Ah oh, man. Um, I will say, I'm gonna say Kiss. Is Kiss, yeah, Kiss is in the Hall of Fame, I think. Maybe not. I, shouldn't be if they I are. I agree, but uh, I feel like they are. But all right, cl- clearly that's the wrong answer.
1: I would assume Kiss is in the Hall of Fame. They gotta be, right? I mean, I, there's a big band. Regardless of what I think of them, it's a big band. Yeah,
0: I think, I think that is, uh, I think that's the case. So it's not Kiss Hall. Give me, give me two more guesses. Um, prominence before the 90s or, or in the 90s?
1: Well, um, be, I, th- they were definitely a band before the '90s, but I certainly was launched into a different place. Really? In, uh, I, I I think actually Ooh. where they went mainstream, yeah? became like a big band. It was technically 1989.
0: Uh Guns N' Roses. No, okay, because that's '87. Um,
1: it was '89, and it was because. They released a single off an album, and the video became the biggest video in the world. It was like when you got out of school and you turned on MTV, it was going to be on five times in the next five hours.
0: You got me, and you think this is '89.
1: I know it's '89, I looked it up, and the video was in black and white.
0: That era uh, reminds me of Extreme More Than Words, but that's not a Hall of Fame band.
1: He did not listen to More Than Words. What if he was listening to More Than Words while he was going through a oh, layup yeah. line?
0: You want to try harmonizing with, on that one with the podcast sometimes? Mm, no. Um, black and white video. See, when you... Th- uh, 89?
1: 19 it was released the video for the song was introduced in january 1989 on mtv according to wikipedia
0: i wonder if anyone listening right now has this absolutely locked and loaded i'm uh, okay here's before i give you before i give up I, w- this wasn't black and white, but one that like kind of took a band to another level was when Aerosmith and Run DMC did the crossover. But I think that was 86.
1: Yeah, that and was... Th- that was 86. Is, yeah, and then
0: is, the video, like one of the videos that you would, that, what you were leaning toward there, band that formed in the 80s, got big in the 90s,
1: was... Def not, Leppard.
0: No. It's
1: not Def Leppard, but Def Leppard is a band that like a video Correct. launched And then a different And then deal.
0: Nirvana went huge in 91 and that was not a black and white video and that video was on all the time. Give it to me, and I hope I don't hate myself for not thinking about the obvious one. Who is it? Metallica. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. They, I would say they. I say they hit big in the eighties, but yeah, they 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 were decade over decade. Okay, fair enough, fair enough.
1: Well, well, I said eighty. I said eighty nine.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Well, like you know, some of their best stuff was like 84, 85, But no, I got you. I got gotcha. gotcha you. In
1: saying. in the video was one, one. That's right. Yeah. Okay.
0: I hey, by the way, that's nothing wrong with that. Metallica to pump you up. Not a huge, not a huge Metallica guy. Once upon a time, I could play Master of Puppets on guitar. I got a master. Yeah, master. that's a fun one, by the way. That's a fun one. Um, how about this? This is. Did he explain why he went to
1: Metallica? I think I think Dan Hurley gave it to him. Love it. I think I think he won. I think he was like, Coach, I need to switch it up a little bit. And Dan, he did. Dan was like, put Metallica on your iPhone <laughs> next thing you know Isaiah Whaley's out there listening to Metallica pre-game and then he, he goes out and gets 15 points 13 rebounds I appreciate I, I I appreciate young people like you know reaching back mm-hmm. because I don't think that happens very much right now as the father of a 17 year old you know when, when I was 17 you were into Metallica and you were into Nirvana and you were into Guns and Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Blind Melon and whatever else. And because you were listening to rock music, you you would listen to the, the Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd yeah. and all of the stuff from decades earlier. But right now, young people do not listen to rock music. They listen to hip hop. And so if you're listening to little baby, why are you going back and listening to Led Zeppelin or Pearl Jam? Like, I don't know if my 17-year-old knows Metallica. He, he probably has heard a song like he'd be, oh, yeah, I yeah. heard that. Is that the one they played before a Virginia Tech football game? But, like, I don't know that he knows Metallica, which would be, when I was 17, whatever the equivalent of Metallica was at that time, you know, a, a band that was big 20, 30 years earlier, I would have known that band but I don't think teenagers now listen to old rock music because they don't listen to current rock music. Like who is the biggest rock band in the world right now? Like somebody who, how about this? Mm-hmm. When in the eighties and nineties and I'm, the seventies, I'm sure sixties as well, but certainly in the eighties and nineties, it was possible for a rock band to release a debut album and it to go massive. And then they could tour and fill up arenas like guns and roses did it. Um, Pearl Jam did it right I don't that's impossible today. There is no rock band that could release a debut album tomorrow and be touring arenas next year like again in non-pandemic times like right, Pearl Jam right. could still sell out arenas and, and and you know some bands from that era could still sell out arenas but there is no scenario where a new rock band could sell out an arena next year.
0: Nope, that doesn't uh, exist. The biggest rock band in the world right now, um, is I want you got to be able to play the Super Bowl, and so I think it's like Foo Fighters. Maybe you two, you two, is still pretty huge. Right, but
1: Foo Fighters was a band when I was in high school. I know
0: exactly. Muse, Muse has been around for twenty years. Um, something that's not that some uh, like a very successful outfit right now would be, and they've been around twenty years. It's like My Morning Jacket. They can sell out Madison Square Garden. But their music isn't on the radio unless you unless you're listening to Sirius XM and, you know, you've got, uh, you know, this spectrum or, or lithium like they're, they're just, it's just a different. <laughs> we can get back on the hoops. I could talk to music, talk to music for three straight <laughs> hours. But this is uh yeah, this has been an ongoing thing. And yes, you will not go, you will not get um, that anytime soon. We'll see if in, in a decade things change. There's still always going to be rock music, but it's just I think that era might be uh, that might be gone for good.
1: Yeah, like you can be a hip hop artist, release a debut album, and and become the biggest thing in the country, in the world. Yes, you cannot do that in rock music anymore. It nope. just and so, so I don't think young people are listening to Metallica because there's no comparable thing that's relevant right now. But Isaiah Whaley was listening to Metallica. Shouts. That's the point. Fifteen points, thirteen rebounds. Uh, congrats to the Huskies. Number twenty six in the updated top twenty five and one. The NCAA officially announced on Monday that the entire NCAA tournament will be held in Indiana this season. No surprise, but it is confirmation. We're going to discuss that next, but first, check this out. progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law so the ncaa officially announced on monday that the entire ncaa tournament is going to be held in the state of indiana norlander you wrote about it you know everything about it tell us what we need to know about the ncaa tournament happening in the state of indiana
0: First is the venues. Uh, I previously reported this like two weeks ago, what the likely venues were, and then that came to be. So you will have Banker's Life Fieldhouse, Home of the Pacers, Hinkle, Home to Butler, and uh, two-year-old Tony Hinkle. Two-year-old Tony, two-year-old Tony Hinkle content going to be prominent on the podcast as always, but in March, just look out. Um, Assembly Hall, Indiana, Purdue, Mackey, you will have uh, IUPUI's uh, home gym, the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and then the sixth one. Gotta
1: change the name of that, by the way. It sounds ridiculous. I know. Well, what
0: you, I mean, uh, I, I tell the governor. I don't know. It's, I, I hear you. Listen, hey, we we, can, the, we, hey, we will rename hey, it if hey, we, we ma- need to. Okay, like, hey, 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 hey,
1: we meet. We made the NCAA tournament. Awesome. Where are we playing? The Farmer Coliseum. What? Not good. The Farmer Coliseum?
0: Yeah. The sixth one is Lucas Oil Stadium, and that is going to have two courts there, and the games will not be happening concurrently. Um, We do not have uh, a schedule for the first, second round, first four, Elite Eight, and Sweet 16, but Selection Sunday is still scheduled for March 16th. The Final Four is still scheduled for April 3rd, a Saturday, and April 5th, a Monday. So then you just got to condense that down to figure it out. I think I'm going to just. I think I'm going to put something together and take a guess on how this is all going to play out. Um, I think we sh- should expect more information on fans in a month's time. The NCAA did say it would allow fa- select family members from the teams going to be there, which is the right thing to do, in my opinion, provided everything is safe. You should be able to do that. Um, Cole, this is important to know. Uh, I don't like the idea of Lucas Oil. I just think, eh, but whatever. I know why they're doing it. I just, whatever. It's a, it's a personal hangup. But. So why are they doing it? Yeah, Here's why I think they're doing it. Um, They're doing it because the venue itself, I think, lends itself to get more games in and help the schedule with this cram because they don't want to extend the tournament. They want it to end on the Monday before the Masters and people's body clocks, people it's March. I want to be watching college basketball. So I think Lucas Oil and doing two courts is going to allow that to happen and for them to get more games off in that venue and the Indianapolis Colts had been allowing 10% fan capacity in for weeks now if that changes or increases the NCAA is obviously going to take any kind of gate it can possibly get and if you if if the Marion County Health Department which is where Indianapolis is located Marion County says yeah you know by, by March 22nd Uh, we'd be comfortable if you allowed 15% fan capacity for X amount of seats here. The NCAA is going to do that. It's going to be able to do it with two different courts there and and get some gate and maybe some concessions. Um, And I think that's part of why it's doing it. Plus, from a space... This team enters this way; these teams exit that way. The locker rooms are here. We're not going to cross pass. I just think on the ground, that's also why they're using Lucas Oil. So it's those six uh, venues. I got a couple other things, but I'll shut up. You can chime in on what you, on your thoughts on the uh, on long expected news.
1: I know they haven't confirmed, like, okay, when does the first four happen? When does right. the first round start? When does the Sweet Sixteen begin? But you're a good guesser, uh, mm-hmm. unless I'm asking you to guess Metallica videos. Uh, <laughs> give me a possible scenario: uh, Selection Sunday bracket is announced. Yeah. What happens next?
0: Okay. So I have talked to a few sources about this. It is a lock that the tournament's not going to start two days after Selection Sunday. It nor should it. There is there's a there's a naughty situation here in that it's my opinion that the leagues the conferences they didn't help this situation by assembling the schedules the way that they did and then having an intention of playing a conference tournament now to be clear I've got a suspicion that there's going to be a few leagues that don't play conference tournaments and they're going to award their automatic bid to their regular season champion, however they determine that. And that'll be an interesting podcast topic whenever we get there. But I think there are going to be plenty of leagues, big leagues that wind up wrapping up their conference tournaments, either the Friday, Saturday, or uh, I would really hope they don't do it on the Sunday of selection Sunday, but maybe that'll still be the case there. The problem is if you do that and you have teams that make the tournament, be it auto bid or at large GP, and they have a COVID positive or two, okay, now what are we doing? How long are we waiting here? The NCAA, if it has its plan yet, it just hasn't announced it. It is going to have a certain number of days where teams, everyone's going to travel Monday after Selection Sunday. They're going to get to Indianapolis. There's going to be 20 courts set up at the Indiana, Indiana Convention Center for teams to practice. Details I don't know yet our team's going to have to just basically be in their hotels for X amount of days before they can even practice. Are they going to be able to practice and how are you going to monitor that? Okay. You cannot do anything once you get here, except practice, be in your room, go to your, uh, socially distanced team meeting center, et cetera, et cetera. Um,
1: can you go to that Steak and Shake in downtown I don't on think the so. corner?
0: I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be allowed. Just, <laughs> that's disappointing. I know. I know. I know. I hear you. Um, I don't even know if you can get takeout from St. Elmo. That's, that's going yeah, that's that's to be a deal. It's going to be a deal there. So here is, here is my guess. Um, I got oh, three more. Three more. Hold on. Will the first four be on one day? Because normally it's two games one day, two games the next. Logically, would you agree? Wouldn't it just make more sense just to play them all on one day and then everyone it's that gonna. plays in the first four then uh, – let me put it this way. If the first four is played on the Friday after selection Sunday, all the games which is my guess, then everyone that plays on Saturday never no one played Friday. All the first four games you will then play if you advance to Sunday. Wouldn't you agree that makes more sense?
1: Yes, you have the first four on Friday and Seth Davis, our friend and yeah. colleague, CBS Sports, um of course runs the Athletic, uh tweeted this the other day that he he would uh, he's guessing um, that, and it's an educated guess, first four on Friday, the winners uh, feed into the Sunday part of the bracket, but first round on Saturday um, and Sunday, and then second round on Monday and Tuesday.
0: Okay, so here's here's what I think is going to happen. First of all, I wouldn't, If you're going to have conference tournaments go up on Saturday and Sunday, I just I think you're flirting with danger here because of the way incubation periods work. I mean, as we sit here and talk, GP, we're still getting, be it affected by teams going home for Christmas or not, we're getting postponements. It's just it's like clockwork. This isn't changing. So, is it going to have changed by March? And if not, are you really giving yourself enough time? And if you're not, what is your plan to deal with teams that can't play? So, having said all that, this is my guess. It's not what I would advise, but this is my guess. Selection Sunday, March 14. March 15, the Monday, everyone travels to Indianapolis. No games. They will say Friday is the four first four games. And then because Saturday and Sunday, you know, opens up, uh, it's just a weekend filled with programming for TV purposes, you will have the first round on Saturday and Sunday. 16 games on one day, 16 games on the other day. Then um, Monday will be the second round. Tuesday will be the second round. Then I think you will have one day off on that Wednesday between the Sweet Sixteen. Thursday and Friday will be the Sweet Sixteen. Saturday and Sunday will be the Elite Eight. I think that I think this is lining up. And then you'll have a couple of off days, two off days. Final Four off day, National Championship game. I think that's the template they'll go with. Um, the other question that I need that I'm curious about is there is no All Star game this year, this season, the NBA. I didn't realize this. This was this was made official in late November, but it just it didn't hit my radar. Um, GP probably realizes it because he talks Grizzlies and all that good stuff. But um, are they going to... Is the NCAA going to ask the Indiana Pacers to go two and a half, three weeks to the home game? There's no way that's going to happen. And the, the quote-unquote all-star break for this season, um, I think, is scheduled to take place before the tournament starts. So on these off days for the tournament... Is that when the Pacers are going to get their home games in, or is Banker's life like just not going to be a venue they use for the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 so that the Pacers can squeeze in two or three home games out of a, an 8-9 game stretch? Those are just logistics that have still but, yet to be figured out.
1: Right now, the, the Pacers schedule is laid out through March 4th, so this will not interfere with that, but I'd be surprised if the Pacers just abandoned their home arena for multiple weeks. I'm not saying it it's impossible but i would assume that w- w- when we get there what we'll find out is that you know banker's life will be used when it's available and it will not be used when it's not available and if they have to clear out a few days to hold the semi-finals and national championship game there then that's clearly doable but i i i would be surprised if the ncaa has complete and total access to banker's life without interruption for the entirety of the ncaa tournament
0: i agree and I, I've got to believe that 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 you know they're not going to have. We already know that the building's not going to be full, so uh, the the NCAA better not put the Final Four in Lucas Oil because the only reason they do that is because of the concession in the gate. So you got to figure Bankers Life Fieldhouse is going to be the site for the Final Four, and it's a matter of how many people are allowed in, uh, both f- friends and family of, of players or fans and and media too. So uh, so we'll see, but th- that's the most important thing there. I do think this is going to make for just an awesome tournament i, I you know this is going to be a one time only thing and i'm going to cherish it because I, I think indiana is the right place um you know mackey and uh, and assembly hall getting games is cool by the way um Expect the teams that go to those to have afternoon tips because everyone's going to stay in downtown Indianapolis. So if you are a twelve fifteen tip at Mackey or a twelve forty five tip at, at uh, Assembly Hall, uh, they want to get the teams back so they can have dinner in time. Or if you're that 3 o'clock or 3.30 tip, you're back in time, well in time if you're the winning team to be able to get back and sleep in your own bed in Indianapolis. So there will be no night games. And I don't think those venues will be used beyond the first round. But, like, put the first four in Hinkle. Uh, you know have the first games of this 2021 unique historic tournament uh, at the most historic venue in the city. I think it's awesome. I think they can do wonderful things. That's you and I have both been there. It's a great great venue and the creativity they're going to have with this in terms of the schedule is going to be interesting. No venue other than Lucas oil, because it has the two courts will host more than three games in a single day because of like the time between a game scheduled ending and a game scheduled tip. It's not going to be like 30, 40 minutes as usual. It'll be like, I think at least an hour and a half. And so because of that, I don't think you'll have any games tip off before noon Eastern, but I do think you will still have games tip off as late as nine 45. I still think those TV windows will be there, but, and I can't remember if I mentioned this on this podcast or not. Um, For those who like, you know, really get into the tournament and how it's built, um, since there will not be four games at any one venue, what will wind up happening is some teams, like some team might play at Assembly Hall on that Saturday. And then if they advance to the second round to play on Monday, their next game might be at Hinkle or Lucas Oil uh, because you will not, it will not fit. Because if you have three games in one venue, it doesn't it doesn't work the same way as if we have our regions. And last thing on this, I wonder what the hell they're going to name the regions. It's a small thing, but like, are you going to just go with Midwest West? The, the, you're in the center of the country there, so what are they going to name them? And I would expect all that stuff to uh, to come out late January, if not early February. I
1: think they're trying to move as quickly as they can on it. Yeah, I mean, just keep the you know the East Regional, South Regional, think like so? it doesn't. Yeah. Matter. I don't know.
0: I, I'm kind of with you on that, uh, but I, who knows? I, yeah, who knows?
1: I don't know. Yeah. What does the Big Ten call their divisions? Legends, the
0: Exactly. That's what. That's what you don't. That's what I'm kind of fearing, though. Like, are they going to name these things and everyone's going to be like, "What are you doing?" You
1: know? Yeah. No. You just leave it the same. Like, don't. We have to mess with a lot of stuff to make this work. Like, move it all to one state. Uh, we don't have to mess with the names of the regions. It's the you can be. are the number one seed in the South. You're the number one seed in the East. Just keep it simple. You know, this has been described as the largest attempt at a bubble like environment for American sports to date, you know, with 68 teams and and that is technically true, but what's interesting about this is, you know, when you take 22 NBA teams to the Orlando bubble, they're all going to be there for a while. It's just not the case here. You know, after five days of games, you're down from 68 to 16. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to get rid of people pretty quickly. So, that it, it sounds big and it is, but you'll go from 68 to 16. Like once that first game tips off, whatever day of the week it tips off on, we're assuming Friday, you know, by by Tuesday night, you got it down to 16, and then you're back on presumably a normal schedule, and then everything becomes a, a little more manageable. But you know, I, I would still be surprised if there's not pauses in 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 interruptions and it'll be interesting to find out how do they handle that like what if you know because if let's say you're let's just throw a team out there gonzaga Mm -hmm. and gonzaga plays its first round game and they win it by 40 and then they are scheduled to play a second round game and they got two positive tests do they have to you know do you play it do you pause? If you pause, does the entire part of the bracket have to pause? I mean, there's like some really, you know, it's, it's stuff that's not impossible to figure out, but like you've got some things you're going to have to figure out. Like, I don't think it's crazy to to imagine a scenario where the top right of the bracket is into the Sweet 16 and the bottom left of the bracket is still got, you know, a, a first-round game that needs to be played because some team tested positive upon arrival. Like, th- these things are probably – Not definitely, but probably going to happen.
0: Trying to read the tea leaves. I think the NCAA is going to... Well, first of all, I've been told that once we get to the Final Four, if postponing that or the title game by two, three, four, five days needs to happen, it's probably going to be what happens. Once you're down to four teams... They don't want to have to eliminate a team that made it there. And we actually had a little bit of noise on this with the CFP title game on Tuesday, but it looks like that's still scheduled to be played Monday. So I, as I understand it, that will be the plan. If you have four teams and one of them has a COVID issue, they are not going to kick that team out of the tournament. But prior to that, my estimation is that if they can wait a day, one day, to figure out whatever they got to figure out with the team and still keep it in if it hasn't lost yet they're going to do that but otherwise um they aren't they are not going to hold up the tournament for one team that is not going to happen so if you do have a team that has advanced already at least one game and has two four six if it just has an outbreak or whatever uh that team might be sol that's that's my estimation
1: <laughs> I, it, I can't wait to see a team get kicked out of the ncla tournament
0: i mean i, I there. Everyone's got to know the rules and the score going in. I know. That would be brutal. Well, but. That,
1: well that, that, you, you make a good point here. That would be my only requirement is that let's establish the rules, whatever they are, go ahead and do it now. Because I was talking about this on radio yesterday. Like what if, cause there appears to be COVID issues inside Ohio state's football program at this moment that we're recording, not to the extent where they're going to have to push back the game, but what if a round of testing comes back tomorrow and they've got a serious outbreak, the offensive line is shut down, then what do you do? And so I was asked on radio, like, what, what, what do you think they should do? And I said, they should do. They should have already determined what they're going to do. You can't make it up on the fly. Otherwise, you you really get yourself into uncomfortable situations. For instance, what if you say, well, like, oh, my God, it's Justin Fields who is is, you know, you know, positive. You don't want Ohio State to have to play without its best player. Let's delay the game well hold on like we're only delaying it because ohio state's without its best player like you know what do we, i don't think it can get into a, right. a subjective situation you've got to establish well in advance of these things may happening exactly how you will handle that situation and reasonable people can disagree on on what the requirements are but you need to have a checklist of requirements like uh, okay um do you have x amount of players available yes Um, do you have, uh, you know, X amount of this? Sure. Okay, then you can play the game. But if the answer is no to any of those questions, you can't play the game. And if you can't play the game within 48 hours, you're kicked out of the tournament. Like, I don't care what what the, for lack of a word, rules are. I just think they have to be established well in advance. You cannot be making these decisions on the fly in the middle of a tournament because that's how you end up with, you know, you know, wild conspiracies. Oh, this team tested positive. They got kicked out. You'd have never done that to North mm-hmm. Carolina. You just don't want to get into those things. Have the requirements set in stone, publicly known, and then, and then abide by them, whatever that includes.
0: Yep. And if I'm the NCAA, I make sure that I... Get that done this month, so that my next big public announcement, be it at the end of January or in early February, when I'm announcing the schedule, when I'm in, when I'm detailing how the schedule will play out with what venues are hosting, how many games, and whether fans can get in at what level, when I'm detailing all that, I'm also including like get this all done long more than a month before Selection Sunday. Get it all done, and that way, this is my last thing. That way, that conferences. Which still, like, plenty of them have not really reaffirmed what they're going to do with their league tournaments. They can decide if they want to tweak their league tournaments, if they want to have league tournaments, and all this stuff to best set up their teams. Because I also think this can, like, imagine if you're a one bid league, and then you you get into the tournament or whatever, and and it's the day before your scheduled game, and this happens, you don't even play. Like that, that can be brutal, also monetarily, because you don't know, get the tournament units, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see. We'll have updates in three to four weeks.
1: The transfer portal is becoming a talented place over the past couple of days. On Monday, uh, former West Virginia star Oscar Sheepway entered the transfer portal. And then on Tuesday, former Houston star Caleb Mills entered the transfer portal. These were two coming into the season of the top 15, 20, 30 players in the country. And now both have left their teams mid-season. Um, you know, I guess I'm surprised by both of them in, you know, on a very surface level, uh, you know, when I mean, you see prominent players abandoning top 20 teams in January too often, but here we are. And so it's a, obviously a tough blow to West Virginia, although the Mountaineers did bounce back after losing over the weekend to get a win on Monday night over Oklahoma State. And then uh, you know, uh, you know, Houston is is sitting here, um, you know, again ranked in the top twenty, and and now they lose the preseason AAC Player of the Year, so that's not ideal.
0: No, um, Houston. So we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Houston has a home game against Wichita State, which is six and two, and you know that's a big game for for Wichita State. It, it, that would certainly be a win, uh, announcing uh, quite an arrival uh, for Isaac Brown, who stepped into coach after. Uh, Greg Marshall resigned Houston losing Caleb Mills. He's, I think we've, we talked about a couple times on the podcast. Like he, he's not a huge name, I guess, because uh, you know, he just plays for Houston in that league. You know, they didn't get into the tournament. Like he, they just didn't have any like big spotlight moments, but uh, that's a freaking blow. I mean, they were able to win at SMU without him Sunday night. I get all that. This could still be the best team in the American without him. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. But I mean, yikes, man! That that's uh, that's not a good situation. I'd, I'd, I'm curious as to what what happened there. And then on Chibwe, I he's going to be. I mean, he's going. He's going to be a top five desired player in in the transfer portal. Don't know where he'll go. Um,
1: how about this? Even if you included the class of 2021, so yeah. incoming freshmen and then transfers who will be immediately eligible because the, the waiver is no longer required. Mm-hmm. So where does he rank in that? Like if you get Oscar Shibway, that's the equivalent of landing, uh, you know, a five-star class of 2021 prospect. In fact, it's probably better than that.
0: I, I agree. And this did, this didn't surprise me. I, I, was led to believe that he was going to be going, he was going to transfer out, and uh, and so he's made that done. And I, 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 th- I would think that a decision from him is not going to take too, too long. Like, we might be talking about where he's committed in, in a matter of a couple of weeks here, but I would
1: assume, I would assume that's the case for both these guys. They're going to want to enroll in the second semester, right? I gotta think so, right? I gotta believe that
0: that's what's going to happen here. Um, man, good win for West Virginia, by the way. I mean, it, it. W- <clears throat> It was struggling big time, and Cade Cunningham had a solid game, but Oklahoma State just, I don't know. It started a sleepwalk there, and you never, ever, ever think that you've got it in the bag against Bob Huggins and West Virginia. You just don't. They just don't ever quit, and I think that was an important win. You lose Shebway, that's, I just think that, I, again, that's a ding to me. Uh, I think that, uh, that lowers West Virginia's ceiling, but to get that win and dodge back-to-back losses, three losses in four games for the Mountaineers, that was probably... Uh, the kind of victory that can help stabilize it. They got a huge game Saturday against Texas that we'll talk about on next uh, the next pod on Friday. But yeah, this is notable, Parrish, and you know, just kind of you know tuck it away for future reference. Are we gonna get another one of these? I don't know. I'm not hearing any sort of buzz about you know a really really good player on a top 30 level team. But who knows? Uh, but if we are talking about this annually, end of December, early January, where you've got. The first or second best player on a top 40 level team, you just bouncing out. I don't know. The new rules with transferring. It will be interesting to see if this does change. And we have again, free agency is way too lazy of a term, and it does not apply to college basketball here. But if you, if we get into a rhythm here where you know there are three to five top 50 level players, top 75 level players that just decide they want a, a, a change of scenery. I don't know if it's going to happen. But if it does, we can look back and, and see that in year one, these two players set the precedent.
1: Yeah, I don't have a problem with anybody deciding they want to play basketball somewhere else. It's why I've been in favor of letting transfers play immediately for years now. I am a little surprised that, you know, usually when you get mid-year transfers, it's good players on bad teams or bad players on good teams good players on good teams don't usually decide to leave in the middle of a season. Like Oscar Sheewe and Caleb Mills were both very good players for top 20 teams. And they just bounce again, like whatever, but it, it is unusual. And think about Houston for a second. So the Cougars, um, they finished 14th at Kempom last season. Um, They could have had the top six players back from that team, top six scores. And instead of that, They lose Nate Hinton early to the NBA draft. He goes undrafted. So it wasn't like you know he had to go. He didn't get picked. Then they lose Fabian White to a torn ACL. And now they lose Caleb Mills to a transfer midseason. So instead of having the top six players back from a team that finished 14th at Ken Palm, now they've only got three of the top six back. And they still might be, in fact, probably will be good enough to win the American athletic conference, but man, what this team could have been, you know, quite reasonably and, and what it is right now are two totally different things. Um, the big boys are apparently already involved with both. I I think I, I I was told Kentucky has already reached out to both Sheway and Caleb Mills. Mills has suggested at least he wants to get closer to home. He's from Arden, North Carolina. You know, it's, um, 15 hours in a car from Arden, North Carolina to Houston, Texas. So there's a lot of things, quote, quote, closer to home than Houston. Uh, You know, it's only 104 miles from Chester, South Carolina, Mm. Arden, North Carolina, if he ever wants to go visit where Devin Devin Downey was from. 225 miles from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hmm. 290 miles, Arden, North Carolina is, from Lexington, Kentucky. So that's closer to home. and just throwing it out there. It's 257 miles from Campbell University. If he wants to be a fighting camel, he could be a fighting camel and be closer to home.
0: He'd be a legend if he did that, by the way. If he <laughs> wants to be a legend, he should do it. But I don't know if he's but got to I, it. I,
1: I also think like th- th- this is going to be the way Duke and Kentucky start to balance their rosters a little bit they're still going to go out and get the five-star freshman projected lottery picks. But I'm not surprised to hear that Kentucky's already trying to get involved with both of these guys. Um, You know, if you can enroll five-star freshmen and then pair them with guys who are older and already established at the high major level, that seems like the best recipe for success going forward. And given that these players are going to be eligible immediately Um, I I think some of the biggest brands in the sport you're going to see really try to exploit, not exploits the wrong word, but take advantage of these types of situations. I I, I think you'll look up in the next two weeks and we'll know that Oscar Shibwe is, I think Miami is also involved with Shibwe, but like, I I think there's a, there's a chance that both these guys end up at blue blood programs because the blue blood programs need experienced players to go, with the five-star freshman, they're going to get year in and year out.
0: Agreed. Um, I'll be interested to see uh, what Houston is for the next few games here, and it starts with Wednesday night uh, against Wichita State. That's among the more interesting games to me on Wednesday GP. We did a uh, we did our Wednesday feature uh, that David Cobb runs uh, the dribble handoff, and we were asked, you know, what what surprise player stood out to you? And I I picked Tyson Etienne from Wichita State, who's been who's been awesome that. For you on Wednesday, what are the two or three games that stand out most? Because I I'm just interested what Houston is now now that know they do will have Caleb going forward and where they can be. And I also think I I think Minnesota at Michigan is objectively the best Wednesday night game if people are trying to keep an eye out. It's an eight thirty, uh, Big Ten network tip. But uh, what are your thoughts there and anything else people should keep an eye on?
1: Those are the two Wednesday night games that that are most interesting, I think, for for different reasons. Wichita State at number eleven, Houston, and then number sixteen, Minnesota, at number ten, Michigan. The Wolverines still being undefeated on this season, and then on, on Thursday night, because we'll talk again on Friday morning, you got Indiana at Wisconsin, you got Illinois at Northwestern, and then you got a put together on the fly game. BYU at number one Gonzaga. So there is some interesting, not some like, you know, top 10 matchup uh, on, on tap, but there's some interesting games, uh, both Wednesday night and Thursday night.
0: You know? Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a the solid, I think it's a solid kind of back to back. We're now really in that it provided, you know, that postponements don't continue to just muck everything up here. Um, you know, we're in a solid groove. I'll also add that uh, Mike Krzyzewski is not going to be on the sideline for Duke's game against Boston College. Uh, he's going to continue to quarantine after a family member uh, contracted COVID-19 and he was exposed. He has not tested positive, according to Duke, um, but they're going to just keep an eye out. So just that's just keep an eye. Duke should beat Boston College. <laughs> Let's <laughs> That should not be close. Boston College isn't good, but K is not going to be on the sideline. I think that's at least notable. And then I think the one team on Wednesday that has a chance – cause I put them decently high in my power rank. Cause I think I had them 14. If Virginia tech can win at Louisville on Wednesday, um, I think that's going to be fairly significant. They've got, they've got a good shot there. Uh, I would just keep an eye this. It might shock you by the way, Rhode Island's playing again tonight. So I think it's game, I think it's game 28 so far this season for, for the Rams. Um, so I know, I know you're enamored with how often they play. Just figured I'd bring that up, but yes, it's a good set of back-to-back games. My favorite game on Thursday, um, I feel like Iowa at Maryland is sneaky. Maryland really needs that win. Iowa's on the road. Uh, just keep an eye. Maryland Maryland needs that. It needs that W. It took a tough in the, loss. In know. the
1: Big Ten, it, every team is vulnerable on the road unless, and it pains me to say this, unless the road game is inside Pinnacle Bank. That's everywhere right. else, Everywhere else you can get beat. I don't care who you are in that league. Everywhere else you can lose. Uh, listen...
0: Pinnacle Bank is is the only spot where that is not the case there, and it's just it, it's just, it's sad but true. I mean, Michigan State <laughs> destroyed. That was a thought. That was an important win, by the way. Just real quick. I mean, sixty eight forty five over Rutgers. I, I just think that was among the more important results from from Tuesday night. That one and the fact that Alabama went in and just you know, Florida went into Alabama and Bama spanked them. It's it's getting interesting to see what teams you know. Clemson won again. I, we are starting to get a little bit of a clear picture, but I, I'm I'm interested in the next two nights and then what we get Saturday. It feels like there's starting to be a little bit of separation here. But you're right; your general point is absolutely correct. Uh, the Big Ten is just—it's fun to talk about, but any venue other than Pinnacle Bank, teams going—it's go gonna be a problem.
1: I wish they'd have moved the entire NCAA tournament to Pinnacle Bank, <laughs> the whole thing.
0: I'd I'd love for you to write a column about that.
1: What Good if luck. I wrote, wrote What if I wrote a dead serious column? Suggesting that the entire NCAA tournament be moved to Pinnacle Bank or Dickies Arena.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. They split between the two. Yeah, two yes, different. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll
1: divide the bracket in that mm-hmm. and cut it in half, and the right side can go to Pinnacle Bank, and the left side can go to Dickey's Arena.
0: Well, the left side reads Dickey's and the right side reads Pinnacle. Dickey's Pinnacle. That's exactly so right. That's exactly. You, you uh, got in exactly, the
1: middle I'm of a sure. pandemic, If there's one thing we've learned in the middle of a pandemic, you got to think outside the box. And here's one for you. Let's yeah. play the Play tournament entirely at Pinnacle Bank and Dickey's Arena. <laughs> Texting Gavitt, telling
0: you want me to want me to uh, scoot over some uh, some just some suggestions there. I think I could do that. Um, uh, real quick, you brought it up. I just want to mention, like BYU at Gonzaga, that's a good one. Like they they that's gonna be eight thirty tip. Like that's they they did it because both of their teams uh that they were supposed to play Santa Clara and Pacific um they're going through COVID stuff at the moment and they pivoted into it and credit to BYU it, BYU could have easily been like we're not supposed to play you till next month we're not quite ready call us in three weeks but Mark Pope isn't about that so they're gonna go and try and pull it off uh and we'll see how close it could be the Ken Palm projection I think you saw it it's it's and Zag by 17. This isn't an official prediction or not, but I kind of like BYU to lose by fewer than 17 points there. If it doesn't, oh boy, cuz BYU to me is the second best team in that league. That's the that's that's my favorite game of Thursday, so.
1: All right, it's so time to go enjoy this silence. See?
0: Yeah, yeah, you I want you to go sit sit in silence and then just bask in it. You got what? You got a good 3 hours here?
1: I got to pick my son up at uh 2:20. So I got I got yeah, I got about I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the quiet.
0: Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bask in the silence for a good like 75 minutes and then on your home speaker system, mm. what do you, what do you, you go with Spotify, right? That's, is that your go-to?
1: I listen to Apple music.
0: Apple music. I'm an Amazon music unlimited guy. So there we go. So I want you to pull up Apple music and I want you to crank the speakers to, you know, about 80% and I want you just to call up master of puppets. Just go silence for like 75, 80 minutes, okay? Master, super, master. Super quiet, and then just let it take over your house. Let it take master over
1: Master of Puppets would pump me up for a basketball game if I could play basketball. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: no doubt about it. You've, you've, played, like, you've played some basketball before.
1: I played one season.
0: Well, you also played in a charity game where your shorts were down to your ankles. I remember that. You I, remember? Hooping. You I was hooping. You were hooping. Yeah. I was
1: hooping. That was the D'Angelo Williams charity game. I think. I got I that know. photo
0: somewhere but I'll save it for another time. It's somewhere it I got to find it. It's an amazing photo. I like it I don't might. know I don't know if you're wearing those shorts as a joke or what was going on but it's just it's one of my favorite parish photos. But I'm not, I'm not bringing it out. I'm saving, I'll save it for another time.
1: Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the I Own College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Most idiotic pandemic I've ever been a part of. I've never seen one like this. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice review, five stars, some kind words, and we might get to them on Sunday night. We're going to talk to you either way again on Friday morning. Till then, take
0: care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend Evan Marcel Turner. The first every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between—from locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Not it is a do bird. Do averaging twenty nine and eleven. It. God, what it take to be an All Star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing.